Thank you for joining us here at Life Church. It's an honor to share God's word with you today. Our prayer is that you will connect with Jesus Christ as you hear his word online. We'd love to have you visit one of our upcoming gatherings. For more information, visit us online at www.liferva.org or contact our church offices and we'll be happy to help you in any way that we can. Let's go now to one of our recent services where you can experience a life-giving message from God's Word. Well, happy Mother's Day again uh, to everyone, ladies. We know we can't be with you in person today to worship together and give you a gift. We always try to give you a little small gift when you're here. So instead, we thought we would give you another gift, and that is my wife, Robin Thompson, is going to be speaking today. Now, for the last eight weeks during this COVID, I've been coming to you every week, but on Mother's Day, it's kind of become a tradition to have my wife get to speak to our church. So I'm excited to tell you that my favorite speaker at Life Church is going to be a blessing to you today. So let's enjoy the word of the Lord from my wife, Robin Thompson. Happy Mother's Day. Today is a special day to all of our mothers. I'm blessed to have a wonderful mom. I can't be with her today, but she's a wonderful mother and gave me life and blessed me in Christian training. And I'm blessed to be a mother to two wonderful girls, Lauren and Lindsay. I can say that mothering has made me a better person. I remember when Lauren was born, um, just such a beautiful experience to bring life into the world. She was a great baby, and of course, I was one of those moms that um, thought that my children would be perfect and I would be the perfect mom. And I remember um, maybe just several months into um, having Lauren, I thought, this, I don't know what everyone's problem is. This is easy. Lauren was a really good baby. She slept good. Um, she wasn't demanding as a baby, but then she grew up. And I was amazed at how that little pumpkin could um, so intelligently and articulately um, share her feelings. And uh, she um, shared her opinions and her thoughts loudly and boldly and constantly. And um, so around two years old, you could find me often exercising my parental authority by saying, we're going to play the quiet game now. And um, that got me a little bit of peace, a moment's peace. But I loved being a mom so much that I decided I was ready to have another one. So Lindsay came along, and um, with Lindsay came infectious laughter, so much joy. She brought life. She was just a bundle of energy. But she was mischievous. And you couldn't take your eyes off of her for a minute because there would be a mess <laughs> or something would happen. I remember just so just boatloads of stories that I could tell of messes made and um, things she got into. But she got into trouble and chaos followed her, but the whole church adored her because she was just an absolute delight. Uh, taming her was both a joy and an exercise in patience. But every mother can understand when I say that motherhood um, is a wonderful gift, but with it comes the good, the bad, and the ugly. And that's what we're going to talk about today. Mothers of the Bible, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Our Life Together series, many moms have embraced this beautiful time of being with their family. Others have been challenged by the demands of being shut in um, for such an extended period of time. 
But each mom has experienced the good, the bad, and the ugly of motherhood. Each precious gift of life brings the toothless, dimpled grin of a newborn baby. I just want to just mush those chunky cheeks. It also brings with it sleepless nights and difficulties that come with maybe a colicky baby and the ugly of those nasty blowout diapers that just send your gag reflux into overdrive. But motherhood can be messy. And today we're going to look at some of that and see that even in the middle of the mess, God has a plan for every mother and he has a plan for every life. He uses the good, the bad, and the ugly. So we're going to talk about... Um, uh, just I, in studying the mothers of the Bible, I had a hard time picking out which ones I wanted to use today, and I've narrowed it down to two from the good category, Jochebed. She was the mother with a plan. Jochebed's the mother of Moses, and her story goes like this. A new king in Egypt came to power. He was worried about the Hebrews outnumbering them and overtaking them, so he makes a new decree that every baby boy born to the Hebrews would have to be killed. Now the Hebrew midwives did not obey this command. So he says a new one. Every baby boy is going to have to be thrown into the Nile River. Let the baby girls live, but not the baby boys. Well, Jochebed gives birth to a son. She hides him for three months, and when she couldn't hide him any longer, she makes a basket. She puts her baby Moses in it, and she puts him along the reeds in the Nile River and sends her daughter Miriam to watch over him. Lo and behold, Pharaoh's daughter finds Moses. She gets him from the water. She discovers it. In Exodus, we're going to read uh, chapter 2, verses 6 through 8, what happened. When she opened it, she saw the child, and behold, the little boy was crying. So she said to his sister, Pharaoh's daughter, Shall... So she had compassion on him and said, This is one of the Hebrew children. Then his sister said to Pharaoh's daughter, Shall I go and call one of the Hebrew women to nurse the child for you? Go ahead, Pharaoh's daughter told her. And the girl went and called the boy's mother. What a beautiful turning of that story. Moses' mother did not know what was going to happen when she put him in the Nile River, and God watched over him and kept him and gave Jochebed an opportunity to mother him for a time. She got to nurse him. She got to teach him and train him a little bit. What a courageous and creative woman Jochebed was. You just have to give it up for her and the midwives who, um, in their act of civil disobedience, allowed Moses to be born. When Pharaoh asked them why they were not killing the boy babies as commanded, the midwife said, well, we can't help it. These, these Hebrew women, they're just so vigorous and they pop them out before we can even get there. To God be the glory for that. We have Moses today for the midwives being brave and Jochebed clearly coming up with a plan. Today she shows us that the determination and ingenuity of a desperate mother can result in surprising circumstances. God uses this child Moses. He becomes the deliverer to the um, Israelites who were in slavery to the Egyptian nation. And they had been in slavery for 400 years. Moses comes on the scene and he becomes the deliverer. Jochebed reminds us that even for mothers who have the favor of God, motherhood isn't always easy. It requires planning, courage, creativity, and determination. Our second mother we're going to talk about today is Samson's mother. And she was a good mama who followed all the rules. 
She's not mentioned by name in the Bible, but here's her story from Judges chapter 13. The angel of the Lord appeared to her and said, You are barren and childless, but you are going to become pregnant and give birth to a son. Now see to it that you drink no wine or other fermented drink, and that you do not eat anything unclean. You will become pregnant and have a son whose head is never to be touched by a razor because the boy is to be a Nazarite dedicated to God from the womb. He will take the lead in delivering Israel from the hands of the Philistines. Now, during this time in uh, the history of the nation of Israel, the Philistines were the major enemy force that they contended with. It, they were a constant threat to Israel. The Philistines were fierce warriors, and they had the advantage over the Israelites in numbers, in tactical expertise, and in technology. They knew the secret of making their weapons out of iron. And Samson, he was to be a Nazarite, a person who took a vow to be set apart for God's service. His parents made the vow for him. He didn't get a choice in the matter. They made the vow for him, and this vow usually was a temporary one, but in Samson's case, it was for life. He was to be a Nazarite for as long as he lived. He couldn't cut his hair. He couldn't touch a dead body. He could not drink anything containing alcohol. He was set apart. He was different. The angel told Samson's mom that he would take the lead in delivering Israel from the hand of the Philistines. Now, when she heard this news, I can only imagine the joy that flooded her heart. She was barren up to this point, but now she takes these instructions to heart. She says, I'm going to follow all the rules. I'm going to do everything right. I'm not going to eat anything unclean. I'm not going to drink anything that I'm not supposed to drink. I'm going to do it just right. I'm so excited. I'm in awe of what God is going to do. And I'm so honored that he chose me. I'm sure she felt that way. The knowledge that her boy would lead the delivering from Israel's enemy filled her with purpose and hope. And she probably spent hours training him praying over him, speaking life over him. Son, don't forget who you are. She probably told him the story of the angel coming to him, to her till he was sick of it. This mama followed the rules and she was excited. Your son, you're going to be the one that leads us to victory. Oh, look at you. You're awesome. She just built him up probably. And in Judges 13, 24, I want to read this because I want you to notice the, the um, latter part of this. The woman gave birth to a boy and named him Samson. He grew and the Lord blessed him and the spirit of the Lord began to stir him. He had favor, anointing, blessing, power on his life. He was set apart. He was something different and he became known for his um, acts of strength. One day a lion came roaring at him. He just tore that lion apart with his bare hands. Another day he makes a bet with the Philistines that if they can solve his riddle, he would give them 30 sets of linen garments. If they could not solve the riddle, they would give him 30 sets of linen garments. Well, they solved the riddle, and so he uh, takes 30 Philistine men down, strikes them down, 
strips them of their clothes and says, here you go, here to pay his debt. One day he caught 300 foxes, tied their tails together in pairs of two, put torches to them, and set them loose into the Philistine fields. It burned down their wheat fields. It burned down their olive groves. It burned down their um, vineyards. He did so much damage to the Philistines that day. One day he killed over a thousand Philistines at one in one battle with just a jo the jawbone of a donkey. This man was a superhero. He had incredible strength. He, it was given to him by God's plan to help him accomplish uh, God's purpose. But he never reached his potential because he used his abilities unwisely. He confided in the wrong people. He violated his Nazarite vows and the commands of God over and over on many different occasions. And I can only imagine his mother's pain as she watched her son with so much promise and so much potential waste his life on satisfying his sensual desires. This strong man had a weakness, and one day it would bring him down, and that weakness was a beautiful woman. In the end, her name was Delilah, and she's the one that was his demise. His mama's hope was dashed as they captured Samson. They made him their prisoner. Her grief was great. She may have spent years asking herself, I tried to do everything right. What happened? Where did I go wrong? I tried to teach him God's ways. I prayed for him. I know the angel promised me. He, he was prophesied uh, his life would make a difference and bring deliverance from the Philistines. What has happened? But God still had a plan and he still had a purpose. So I want to say to some mom today who may feel like Samson's mom, I don't understand what's happening. This was not in the plan. There is hope. God still has a future. He can do anything with anything, whatever your circumstances are. Give it to God. As long as there's life, there's still hope. Samson, they took him. They made him their prisoner. They poked out his eyes. They made fun of him. But in the end, he defeated in his death more Philistines than he ever did That's in his right. lifetime. Mm -hmm. yep. In the end, he, he was there, and uh, it was a coliseum. They brought him in to make fun of him. But he goes over, he has a little boy lead him to the main pillars of that structure. And he asks God, Lord, would you let my strength return to me one more time, that I might bring you glory and take vengeance on these Philistines. And God granted it to him. His strength returns. He shoves out those two pillars of the temple. It all comes crashing down. And thousands of Philistines died at the hand of Samson that day. And what's interesting to me is that later in the Bible, in the New Testament, in the book of Hebrews, the chapter of the heroes of faith, Samson's included in that. He's yeah. listed among the Hebrews. And it doesn't talk about his defeats, his mistakes, and what he didn't do right. What it says is who through faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice, and gained what was promised, and in other ways were given superhuman aid. In the end, Samson recognized his dependence on God, and when he died, God turned his failures and his defeats into victories. Yes. Amen. God can do that even if you think all is lost. 
You keep being that good mama that obeys all the rules. You keep trusting God to turn what may look like a disaster into a victory. We're going to talk about now we shift our moms to the moms who had big mess ups. These moms, they were good, but they were bad too. And I'm just uh, bringing out two moms today who had major mess ups and we all know them. Eve, the first one, the mother of all the living. Eve is the mother who made the wrong choice and forevermore she would never live it down. Because <laughs> every woman who ever gave childbirth thereafter would be remembered that it was Eve that um, caused her such pain. She was the mother of all the living. She lived with her husband Adam in paradise. She could eat the fruit of any tree except one. Eve's choice to disobey God and eat from that tree that she was commanded not to eat from, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, forever changed her world and every living human being that would ever live again. Eve had a lot of firsts. She was the first woman. She was the first mother. She was the first human to sin. She was the first wife to persuade her husband to sin. She was the first mother to experience the pain of childbirth. She was the first mother to experience domestic violence. Her son Cain murdered his brother Abel. And then Eve became the first mother to bury a child. Eve experienced a lot through her act of sin her disobedience, it forever changed the world. She had no mother to ask advice from. Eve had no role model. She made one wrong choice, and she was never able to live it down forever. She would have to live out the consequences of that choice. What a heavy weight. What a load to bear. But God, in his great mercy, gave her another son. That son's name was Seth. And Seth was the bloodline through which Jesus Christ would come. And he was the way that Eve would be able to bring justice for her choice, her poor choice that brought sin into the world. One day, through her seed Seth, redemption would come to the whole world through Jesus Christ. Eve reminds us that no matter what bad choice we've made, God has a backup plan. He can turn it around. He can bring good. Whatever mess you've created, it doesn't matter because God can step in. God can bring a Seth. God can redeem it. He can make a plan, a way to bring life and to bring hope to the world. Amen. And we find that in the mother of Eve. Our next mother, Sarah, she was the mother who was controlling. I think I'm speaking. I just feel I'm speaking to some mama out there. There's probably some kid going, that's my mom. <laughs> Sarah was called the mother of many nations. And this barren woman was past the age of childbearing. She struggled to believe that she would become that, a mother of many nations. And in an effort to fix the problem, she decided to take matters into her own hands she thinks, I'm going to fix this. I have a plan. I have a way to make this still work. So she tells her servant girl, Hagar, you're going to sleep with my husband, 
and you're going to give him a son. She tells, she informs Abraham what's going to happen of this plan, that she's going to help God bring about this promised child. So Hagar and Abraham have a son and um, then Sarah, when Hagar was pregnant, Sarah gets jealous and bitter. She becomes downright nasty to Hagar. She is, she just picks her to death to the point where Hagar can't stand it anymore and she runs away. God comes and tells Hagar, go back. She goes back, she has a child, but God's not done. That, she has a child, but it is not the child. And Sarah, at the ripe old age of 90, becomes pregnant with the promised child, Isaac. And Sarah reminds us that your behavior does not negate the promises of God. Amen. It doesn't change God's love for you. Even when you try to help God out, he doesn't give up on you. In Genesis 21.1, it says, Now the Lord was gracious to Sarah, as he had said, and the Lord did for Sarah what he had promised. If you're a control freak, Mama, I'm asking you to, Take your hands off of it. If you've made a mess, just lay it down before the master. He's able to fix it. Yes. Take your hands off of it. Stop trying to control everybody's life and let God have a shot at it. He can do a lot better than you can. Amen. And we're going to turn our attention to, um, we've talked about the good, the bad. We're going to talk about the ugly. Ugly. In the sense, not physically, but the sense that it was dysfunctional. It was uncomfortable. It was an ugly mess. And um, talking about Sarah, that leads us right into Hagar. She was the mother who was mistreated. We've already talked about her bearing forth a son called Ishmael. Ishmael is the father of the Arab nation. Ishmael was born out of someone else's choice. It was not her choice. She didn't want that to happen to her. That was not her desire in life, to have her master's son and then forever be mistreated. She was pounded with insults from Sarah. In Genesis, you can read her story in Genesis chapter 16. She runs away. She's encouraged to go back. Even out of a mistake, grace shines through. And when she is finally sent away, her and her son are sent away. They're in the desert. She thinks they're going to die. She's weeping. God, you have forgotten me, Lord. My son's going to die. Have mercy on this child. God said he hears the crying of the boy. This child who God knew what the descendants, what how history would unfold, and God hears the sound of this boy crying, and he comes to the aid of Hagar and her son. He provides help for them. They live through it, and he says, I am the God who sees you and hears you. Ishmael means God hears. Yes. He heard her heart's cry, her struggle, her pain. He heard her voice when she was mistreated. She was not forgotten. She was not alone. 
God gave her grace and carried her through. If you're a mother who finds yourself in that place, God has not forgotten you. Yes. He knows right where you are and in your desert, he's going to bring you a cup of water. He's going to bring you deliverance and you're going to come through with the help of God. Amen. Our next mother who had an ugly situation, Bathsheba, the mother who was trapped. Bathsheba's bathing on the rooftop got her in trouble. She attracted the attention of King David. I have no idea if it was on purpose, on accident, whatever. I don't know. But he sends for her and their illicit affair results in a pregnancy. At this time in history, when a king called for you, you obeyed that king. And if you did not obey that king, you risked your life. Bathsheba didn't really have a voice in this situation. I don't think she had a choice. And when she becomes pregnant and sends word to David, he tries to do damage control by bringing her husband Uriah back from the battlefield. He has a dinner with him. Hey, how's the war going? They have a little chit-chat. David sends him home. It's his plan. Go on back home. Spend the night with your wife and then go back to the battle. But Uriah is a man of such strong character that he refuses to do that. He sleeps there at the doorstep. He does not go home when David finds out about it. He doesn't know what to do. He tries again. He fails. So he sends Uriah back to the captain of the army with a note. And that note reads, put Uriah at the front of the battle. And when the, in the heat of the battle at its hottest point, withdraw the men and allow Uriah to be killed. And that's exactly what happened. So David thinks he gets away with it. Bathsheba then comes. She's his wife. David thinks, oh, okay, all is well. Nobody knows what's happened. But God sends the prophet Nathan to confront David. And David is confronted by his sin. He weeps bitterly. He repents of it. God forgives him. It's well documented, the story in the Bible of, of their sin and, and the effects that it has on David and his household. But we don't really know how it affects Bathsheba. The child born from this adulterous affair dies. Put yourself in Bathsheba's shoes for a minute. She lo loses her husband. She loses her reputation. And now she loses her baby. Can you imagine her grief that she's experiencing and carrying? <coughs> Talk about postpartum depression. She probably had it. Yes. It was probably massive to Bathsheba. She may have struggled with guilt. She may have struggled with shame. Should I have refused the king and, Rick's, and just taken my chances? Maybe if I would have done that, I don't know what would have happened. David is a good man. Maybe Maybe he would have let me live. He probably wouldn't have killed me. And then Uriah would still be alive. And I wouldn't have to bear this grief of losing this child. And my life is turned upside down. She may have struggled with bitterness towards David and hatred towards him. I don't know what she had to work through. But I do know that she had to process her grief 
She had to work through it. She And she was a strong woman. She came through it. David did comfort her in her grief, and they had another son. And this son was Solomon. And Solomon became Israel's next king. He turned out to be a peaceable ruler whose wisdom was legendary. Bathsheba's motherhood gives wisdom, um, gives us hope that regardless of the circumstances surrounding your pregnancy and the birth of your child, God can redeem any situation. You never know. You might just have the wisest little man staring at you from that high chair. You don't know what's happened in that birth. Maybe it wasn't your choice. Maybe it was out of a shameful um, act. But God has a plan for every life. Yes. He has a plan for and a purpose for you and for your children. These moms in the Bible reveal to us that a mother's love is fierce. It's stubborn to a fault. Even wrong-headed sometimes. We do right things for wrong reasons. And we do wrong things because we think everyone needs our help. We'll all experience the good, the bad, and the ugly of life. Motherhood will be a mix of it. But God is there through it all. He's waiting to forgive our mistakes, heal our hurts, and bring beauty from ashes. Like me, you may have found yourself in the stories of the women of the Bible. Maybe you saw yourself in Jochebed. Maybe you see yourself in the story of Samson's mother. Maybe your situation was an ugly mess. But what I've learned is that in the good, I must accept the difficulties in life and trust God. Trust that he is working a plan for my good. Amen. Trust that he is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. And remain steadfast in my faith that God keeps his promise. And in the bad, in the mistakes and the failures, I must receive God's grace and forgiveness. And let his love and his mercy wash over me and cleanse my failures and turn defeat to victory. And in the ugly, the dysfunction, the abuse and the mess, we can find peace, healing and hope in Jesus because God has a way of making a victim a victor. And he has a way of turning your pain into power. So I just want to encourage you today, let the Lord bestow on you a crown of beauty for those ashes. Let him give you the oil of gladness instead of mourning and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of heaviness. Let him call your children the oaks of righteousness, a planning of the Lord for his splendor. God works through the good, the bad, yes, yes. and the ugly. God bless you on this Mother's Day. 
May the Lord ever be with you and give you his wisdom, his strength, his peace, his provision. May it be upon your children for this generation and generations to come. Lord, I speak life. I speak life today over every mother, Lord, who is struggling. Over every mother who has experienced grief, indecision, chaos, confusion. I pray that you would give her joy and peace and hope, Lord. You never leave us without hope, God. And in every one of the stories of the Bible, you showed, Lord, what real human living looks like with failures and mistakes and sin. But God, you also show us that there is mercy and grace. And I pray that those, Lord, that will hear this today would find your favor, would find your healing power, your grace, your forgiveness. Yes your hope and your healing in the mighty name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. We give you our pain today and we're excited to see with how you turn it to power in the future. In Jesus' mighty name, I speak blessing over every mother and every child in Jesus' name, amen. The Lord bless you and keep you and make his face shine upon you. Wow, guys, what can I say? That was an amazing Mother's Day message. I hope that you have been encouraged. I hope that you've been strengthened. And I hope that you understand that, like Robin said, no matter what your situation is, the Lord can bless you and bless your children and bless your home. So I just want to say thank you again for tuning in today. Thank you, Robin, for that great message. And I just want to remind you, until we get to all come back together in person, thank you for joining us for Church at Home. This message today wraps up our Life at Home series, and it's been a great series. I am looking forward to speaking to you again next Sunday. God bless you, and I hope you have an amazing week, and I will see you next week. Bye-bye. Thank you.